0: WLG is proud to support BIV's 2020 fastest scoring companies and congratulates all of this year's recipients. From regulatory hurdles to IP issues, we know that taking your business to the next level is often easier said than done. Visit our website to learn how we can help accelerate your growth wherever business takes you. Hi, my name is Marshall Burke and Vice President, Products and Services at TELUS Business Solutions. Businesses big and small are looking for new ways to thrive in the future. And at TELUS, we're deeply committed to helping in every way we can. We pride ourselves on providing world-class service and support for the technology your business use every day. The TELUS team is here for you, and we'd be happy to be part of your conversations and help you identify the right solutions for your organization. To learn more about how we can help you transform your business, visit tellus.com forward slash business. Welcome to BIV Today, the daily business news show from Business in Vancouver newspaper and BIV.com. I'm reporter Tyler Orton, and I think it's quite hard to believe that we are six months into this pandemic, and it really did cast a pall of uncertainty over the economy from the outset. But we have some new perspectives now, especially as we consider how one sector in particular is positioned in a unique way to change the economy. And with us today to dive into that, it is Jill Tippin. She's CEO of the BC Tech Association. Jill, thanks for joining us on the show.
1: Thanks for having me, Todd. I really appreciate it.
0: So I remember you and I, we spoke uh, pretty quickly from the outset of this pandemic. And and as I said, there's a lot of uncertainty going on. But as you look back over the last six months, how has the tech sector really been navigating, you know, kind of the ins and outs of this pandemic as I think almost every day it's kind of a new learning experience for what we have to deal with?
1: Yeah, this has really been uh, a roller coaster for everybody, right? And uh, sometimes there's an impression that the tech sector was somehow immune from, from this challenge and and nothing could be further from the truth. I remember in the in the early weeks and months, I surveyed our members and found that 80% of tech companies had their revenues hit, their revenues were down and and 30% of those were, uh, sorry, 50% of those were 30% or more down. So really a pretty significant uh, impact. Um, but despite that, Uh, what of course happens is people turn to their strengths and our strengths are the ability to pivot and to react and to innovate. So tech companies have dug deep and adapted to remote working, but also finding ways to collaborate both online and in uh, socially distanced uh, safe ways to keep their team spirit going and keep their innovation going as well as their efficiency. Probably the thing I've been proudest of is uh most of my members when i say to them what can i do to help you what do you need at this time what can i advocate for for you their response is generally what can we do to help what can we do to help main street what can we do to help the rest of the economy how can i help you to deliver more skills and more advice and more technology to the businesses right across this province that need to survive. And um, I don't think I've ever been prouder of this community than I have been in the last six months. It's been character revealing.
0: Well, no, your experience is very similar to mine. Just covering it as I, I reach out to a lot of these businesses, but you're you're right. Like a lot of companies had to deal with a lot of uh, this economic uncertainty. Uh, there's one company, uh, Thought Exchange. Um, the CEO told me that in the first week, uh, absolutely no revenue coming in. They had just raised millions of dollars. They thought that was the end of the company. Now business is actually doing quite quite well. So it is amazing to see, as you say. Companies figuring out how to pivot, see what their strengths are, and a lot of them, they're focused on helping out kind of average Canadians. But I wonder, you know, what can policymakers do right now to maybe help the tech sector kind of gain ground or or at least help us realize how it can fit into the picture in ways some of those older industries might not be able to do?
1: Yeah, I I read a really great article in The Economist a couple months ago, and they said, you know, it's almost impossible to have a crystal ball and look to the future beyond COVID and say, you know, how is this going to impact things? But there are two things that we know for certain. And one is that technology and innovation are going to be more important to every country's economy than it was before. And the other is that we're starting to question the the value of global supply chains, versus local supply chains and local resiliency. And I would say that's what I've really seen come true in the last few months. And I think those are both trends that will continue and persist and be somewhat permanent. So the reason that matters is absolutely rightly policymakers at the federal level, at the provincial level, have been focused on those most harmed and focused on dealing with the short-term pain, you know, containing the wounds of those who are most hit by this pandemic. But now we're starting to turn the corner and say, okay, so we've done what we can to stem the losses. We've done what we can to put in place emergency relief. What can we now do to build jobs, to create jobs, to build an economy of the future that might even be better in some ways than what we had before? And uh, uh, what I'm seeing is unanimity, absolute consensus, both provincially and federally, that what this means is a central role for innovation and a central role for Canadian tech. So BC companies and Canadian companies helping other Canadian companies to thrive, be more sustainable, and be more resilient for future shocks like this.
0: In order to do that, obviously you're going to have to have the talent needed to you know manage that. I wonder what the talent kind of question is right now though, especially when you see that you know there's a lot of remote working. How does that actually work just from a practical perspective if uh, we want to be able to hire everyone from anywhere? Is there even the need for kind of the centralized office uh, the way that we used to think of it?
1: I think the role of the office is really going to change, but I don't think it's going to disappear. So we used to think that we needed offices in order to be productive and efficient uh, and that, but, you know, we could be really creative uh, on our own. And we've actually discovered that it's the complete opposite. We can, in fact, be highly efficient and productive on our own, but to be truly creative and collaborative, we need to be with others. Uh, And we can do that somewhat with uh, remote tools. It's certainly not a zero-sum game, but we do find that when people get together and have those off-the-cuff conversations that aren't super focused on solving a short-term, narrow problem, but it's when they start to riff on other things on other ideas on unintended consequences when they go broad instead of deep that's when we get creativity and innovation we need we need that as well so i think there is going to be a role for offices but it'll be a very different role and i think at least a combination hybrid model of partly remote and partly in office is is with us for all those businesses that can work that way in the future
0: It's just going to be interesting because obviously BIV, we're known for producing our lists. We'll say how many workers are in any given city or what have you. Um, But it's going to be kind of weird if we have a tech company that is headquartered in, say, uh, Vancouver. But I don't know that there's large cadres of workers that are based in Prince George in the Okanagan, and they're all able to work remotely. Is it going to be kind of a reshaping of how we even define what a headquarters is moving forward?
1: I think that's a great observation. And I, and I would say that it's not just with NBC, right? So the same forces that enable people to live wherever they want to live and yet work for a company that you know would have previously been described as headquartered in Vancouver, it applies in other ways too. There's no need to leave. There's no need to leave and go to Silicon Valley today. You can stay right here in British Columbia and work for a Silicon Valley company if you want to. So what I see is the future is that the, the, the relationship between talent and employer will change. And so talent will be in a position to, to base itself where it wants to be, where the lifestyle is conducive to the kind of life they want to live. And it won't limit people to the organizations and the companies that have offices just down the road. Because the ability to work remote means you can be in Prince George or you can be in Vancouver and you can be serving any kind of company.
0: I'll throw this question out to you because it's something that I've been wondering about, though. But in, just in terms of competition, if you know uh, Silicon Valley can hire from all over the world and people don't have to pay Silicon Valley home prices, Do you see competition flattening out to a certain degree? Do you you see it heightening? Um, Where do do we go from there, especially if these, you know, BC based companies want to be able to hire the, the best and the brightest?
1: So I would say there's a flattening out in terms of the environment, right? So there's a flattening out in terms of you could be anywhere. But now the war for talent becomes even more important. So the future is all about skills all about skills. It's important for us to have the right volume of people with deep technical expertise. It's also important that we find a way to reskill people who have been working in industries that have been disrupted and encourage them to come into the tech sector. And we've got some great programs going on to help do exactly that. But the other element of skilling is actually for those startups and those growth companies themselves. So we have to make sure that we're investing in providing those leaders those those leadership teams and those founders with the leadership training and the skills training that they need so that they can continue to grow their businesses you know you and i have talked before about how we have a tragedy in british columbia that too many of our tech companies with brilliant products and huge potential they just sell too early and the reason they do that is that we just don't have as many of the programs in british columbia as there are in other provinces or other companies to help those founders and those investors understand what their other options are. So the kinds of programs that the BC Tech um, Association provides in the lower mainland to help companies grow and export and scale, those are even more critical to the future. And so what we see is that in every part of Canada and, and every part of the globe, people are doubling down on their investment in their homegrown tech companies because none of us wants to be totally dependent on foreign companies, even from Uh, our favorite neighbor to the South.
0: Sure. Uh, Speaking of investment and a different kind of investment, I I think, though, but um, just with regards to that private capital, being able to flow in and and help these companies, I I, I was hearing mixed things, you know, throughout the course of this pandemic. You know, some companies were still able to generate, you know, interest. Others, it's just there's kind of this paralysis that kind of enveloped, you know, their efforts. What's your takeaway from just the uh, investment capital that's available right now um, for a lot of these companies that that do want to grow?
1: Well, it's been really challenging for the last six months, and I expect it to continue to be a little bit challenging for another couple of months. So there's no doubt that, that a, a, a huge global economic shock like this causes everybody to just sort of pause and take a different approach to investment. But now we have pent up demand. Okay, so so all of those uh, investors are deploying uh, pension capital and private capital on behalf of people who need to earn income for their retirement right that's that's what that's what these these uh sources of capital do is they take your retirement funds and mine and they invest them in growth companies with growth opportunities and uh so that we're all invested in making sure that that capital starts to flow again and and it is starting to flow again Um, so there's no doubt that uh there was a real disruption but now there's actually a fair bit of capital about the challenge is making sure that you're in front of the right investors at the time that they're able to invest and making sure that you tell your story well which is again back to the the absolutely essential need to make sure that our growth and our our startup companies are in a position to tell their story well and at the right time and that they don't undervalue themselves. Is it a kind of a, a unique opportunity if everyone
0: has to do, you know, zoom chats no matter where you are in the world maybe, you know, you don't have to be rubbing elbows with people down in Silicon Valley if you're a bc-based company
1: yeah that's true like when we're all remote then it levels the playing field a little bit right i found that myself where uh, uh when i'm talking with ottawa i can do so now on a daily basis whereas i previously had to get on a plane and fly to ottawa whereas my ontario colleagues could be there far more often nowadays the playing field is a little bit equalized and it's interesting to see how that's given a stronger voice to the west You know, I I guess the
0: last thing I want to touch on here, though, is the role for, you know, green tech, clean technologies to really take off right now. I I think there's a realization that with all the disruption going on, and I mean that in the very literal sense, but the disruption going on in the economy, that there's a chance for maybe us uh, for us to get much more serious about climate goals and investment coming in. But but what's your takeaway with regards to how BC can kind of uh, play a big role in the green tech and clean tech sector moving forward?
1: So this is the big opportunity ahead for us. And and I like to talk about clean tech. You know, before I joined BC Tech, I worked in the solar industry for many years. So clean tech is a combination of two things though. It's a combination of uh, investment in technologies that deliver clean energy uh, on themselves, right? So solar, wind, uh, hydro is a clean energy. Um, But it's also investing in technologies that deliver clean outcomes. And that's the piece that I think is absolutely fascinating, right? So if I provided you with software that enabled you to improve the logistics, right? The, the, the fuel efficiency of your fleet of vehicles, right? Not only will you save money on fuel, you'll also put less carbon into the atmosphere. So that's a pure software product that delivers a green outcome. And I would say that that, that sector of clean tech technology that enables companies to deliver clean outcomes is going to be a tremendous global success a, a real growth area for all economies and bc's in a position where we've we've actually got some real strength in that area some fantastic local champions so we might find ourselves uh, ahead of the pack on that
0: yeah, uh, the one that jumps out to me, just mostly because their office is only a few blocks from ours, but uh, Clear Renewables, those are one of those guys uh, that just kind of taking off there and uh, a lot of expansion into that. So I, I think it's just so cool, kind of the opportunities that are coming out of BC. It's an uncertain time for all the economy, but what's your overall you know temperature take on the BC tech sector six months onward from the outset of this pandemic?
1: Uh, you're an optimist, Tyler, if you're only talking okay. about six months. <laughs> I like it. I like it. I would say we still face challenging times ahead. So the risks of underinvesting are actually way bigger than the risks of overinvesting. So we have to make sure that we make the right investments and we make them now because I can tell you everywhere else in the world is making them. So if we don't invest, we'll be falling behind. But if we do, if we do, if we actually start to invest in BC's tech sector, to realize the potential that it actually has, which we've never really done. If we actually put our money where our mouth is and invested in BC's tech sector, I guarantee you we will come out of this with a stronger, more resilient economy than we had before and with homegrown champions that are going to build the anchor companies of the tomorrow and employ many, many more British Columbians. The future can be better than the past if we make the right decisions now.
0: Well, that makes excellent. Uh, Jill, always a pleasure. I want to thank you once again for joining us on the show.
1: Thanks so much for having me, Tyler.
0: That's Jill Tipping, CEO of the BC Tech Association, and that is it for the show today. But go to BIV.com for more stories and more intro- for from there. Otherwise, I'm Tyler Orton, and that's it for the show today.